Hi folks, welcome to Two Feet Apart. This is an intersectionally inclusive space where community meets storytelling. It's a space that is nurtured by vulnerability and the sharing of our stories because they are our greatest strengths and our strongest powers. With that in mind, happy listening. Hi everyone and welcome back to Two Feet Apart. Today we have my favorite lifestyle blogger. Her name is Ayana. Ayana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'm so excited to be here. So I am, as you said, a lifestyle blogger based in Florida. And yeah, I also do some freelance writing, a little bit of everything. And um, as I said, I'm I'm super excited to chat. Yeah, amazing. Um, So you definitely are multifaceted. You have a lot of different things going on. I've listened to your podcast. You have killer newsletters that always like, I'm like this content. I'm just soaking in your recommendations. My wallet does not thank you for. Oh my gosh, you're um, flattering me. <laughs> and uh, one of my personal faves is that you do Monday tweets of the week. Um, I don't have Twitter, so it's great because it makes me look really funny to all my friends because I send them <laughs> screenshots of these tweets and they're like, oh my gosh, where'd you get this? And I was like, it wasn't me. It was Ayana um so good so what kind of inspired that the tweet roundup yeah um so I actually started that um during like the height of the pandemic because I feel like we were all inside I spent a lot of time on my phone and it wasn't at that point like a regular thing I was just like I'm going to share funny things that I see. I mean, I am like always on Twitter. I'm very much like a news junkie. I like to know what's going on, but like it, it can be a very toxic place, but it, people are also really funny. So yeah, I mean, I just was kind of like, this could be fun just to like occasionally share funny tweets that I see. And I got enough responses and people liked it enough that I decided to just like make it a weekly thing. That was, I think probably over two years ago now. And yeah it's a lot of fun I love it um okay so let's kind of dive into into the deeper stuff here because we only have so much time and I know that you've got so much wisdom and good things to share uh so one of the reasons why I was like I need you on this podcast is you shared an article about your experience perinatal um with mental health and one of the things you said is like this shouldn't be a privilege to access or it was something along those lines um and the whole reason I started this podcast was because there were parts of my life that I felt weren't ever talked about. And so it was really hard to feel connected to people. And it was really hard to not feel like super isolated and alone when these conversations weren't happening about being partially adopted or growing up black in predominantly white spaces or, you know, getting married when you're 20 and separated at 21 and all these things. Um, and so when I read your article and I read that you kind of recognize that like these stories do need to be shared and even if it helps like one other person that's that's what it was made for kind of thing um so would you mind kind of telling us like walking us through your experience um as much as you're open to and then we can kind of go from there yeah of course um I love that you do this show and that you're having those conversations I mean I can relate to so many of your experiences as far as my article um so the, i guess the <clears throat> the broad overview is that i experienced postpartum psychosis after the birth of my daughter but i that was almost three years ago and i, I just wrote about it um last month 
for the first time publicly, I have a history of depression and anxiety. I knew that I was at a higher risk for like postpartum mental health problems. I knew that as a black woman in America, I was at a higher risk for, you know, labor and delivery complications and even like a higher mortality rate. So I, I kind of was aware of all of this, but I was in a very unique position. I feel at least that I had a lot of resources available to me, <clears throat> excuse me, that a lot of people don't have. Um, you know, I had my husband who's like wonderful and like definitely an equal partner and an equal parent. I have both of our families live near us. We have like a, a huge amount of family support. I had a very involved psychiatrist. I had a therapist who I trusted. I had a doula. I had, I, I had people around me. I had friends who cared. It wasn't a situation where I fell through the cracks by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, I was very prepared for postpartum depression. And instead, um, I just started behaving a little bit erratically after I gave birth and evolved very quickly. So 10 days after my daughter was born, I started to have pretty bad delusions and was losing touch with reality. So I ended up hospitalized. I was there for almost three weeks. It was not ideal, which is like the biggest understatement, but needed to happen. You know, I kind of got stabilized on medication and then got home and started recovery. And so with that, I think a lot of people don't understand like how impactful like mental illnesses can be and how like the severe effects that it can have like if you have a broken bone you can see it's a broken bone you understand that person cannot walk um and I was saying on a recent podcast episode that I was looking and helping my brother um I was looking over his like job applications and helping him apply to a couple places and like one of the things was like self-disclosure of disabilities whatever and they said in the bottom that like depression and anxiety count as a disability and I was like I don't know why I previously didn't necessarily think of it as that I have both um and you know you recognize like it can be really disabling and the effects that it can have um whether it's hormonal or things like delusions um are are so huge and I don't think people understand like the full capacity of that unless you've experienced it um do you have any way of kind of describing that feeling knowing that that wasn't like who you are yeah, I think that I think that the interesting thing about psychosis in particular is that it's not well, I can't speak for everyone. I'll speak for myself. It wasn't distressing. Um, it, I think if you'd asked me before, I would have thought, okay, I'd be freaking out if I like lost my grip on reality. But when you lose your grip on reality, you're not freaking out because you you aren't able to recognize that you're saying and doing things that are not like rooted in fact and not that don't make sense you know so if i'm just getting all of these messages in my head from god there's not really a part of me that's thinking wow this is messed up like i need like i i don't know what's going on you know it, it's all elation like wow i'm hearing directly from god you know um i think that it definitely 
that what I've learned in my experience is that mental health conditions definitely come with a level of shame that you don't really experience with other conditions, at least. I mean, I, I'm lucky that I've not had any like life altering, you know, physical injuries or, or health conditions. But in my experience, it it is a lot harder to talk about. Um, it's very isolating, even down to like being in a psychiatric ward, which has happened to me a couple of times. It's just like can be a very dehumanizing experience. Mm hmm. Um, and similar to you, I, I knew that, you know, I have mental health, um, struggles and difficulties. And so when I was pregnant, I was like, I will be really prepared for postpartum depression. I had similar, I had my therapist on board. I moved across the country when I was like eight something months pregnant, um, so that I could be near family because single parent, um, I had, you know, I had started medications because I struggled, uh, when, when I was pregnant as well. Um, and so, you know, I had this safety plan and I also had all the safety plans of if things go wrong during birth, I think I had five different birth plans because I was like, I know that black maternal health is a topic that's not often talked about and should be because there's so many more risks. There's things that aren't seen or caught in time and all this stuff. And so I did so much research. I did podcast episodes on it. I kind of, delved into both of these things. And I still was not prepared for the difference between postpartum depression and depression. Um, and for me, that was like, it was like a sinking void. Like, I'm pretty sure I do not remember much of his first year at all, because I was just like, just make it through, make it through. And for me, it was like, I'm his only parent, like, I need to show up, I need to figure it out. And I think that was pressure that like, did not help anything. Um, but there's no way that you can really be prepared for it. But what is something that you would say to someone that's struggling in the same position that you think you would have benefited from hearing? Well, first of all, I cannot imagine your experience doing it by yourself. Um, I, I like, I cannot imagine how hard that must have been. Um, the biggest saving grace for me, I think, was that my husband was basically a solo parent for two to three months um it's hard it's hard even when you have a bunch of people around you you know it, yeah. it, it can feel impossible i mean i think that if you're gonna go through it if you're gonna go through postpartum depression anxiety postpartum rage psychosis ocd whatever like it's gonna it's gonna be bad like it's even if you have at least in my experience really great treatment, even if you have a really great doctor, even if you have people who are willing to help you, it it's still not an ideal experience. You know, you hear about people who are just like loving the newborn stage mm. and loving being parents. Broke and my heart. Just, yeah. And you just start to think like, okay, am, like, did I miss something? Like, was I not supposed to be doing this? It's, it's very demoralizing. I yeah. think that my biggest tip would be to as you mentioned like plan for it know that like if something happens it could be worse than you're anticipating but having mental health providers lined up ahead of time if you can i think is probably the biggest key if i had been 
in crisis, trying to find a therapist or trying to find a psychiatrist mm. or even trying to find a doula, like trying to find like these people who I had who were looking out for me and like very aware of the situation, it would have been very different, I think. Um, so I think that preparing that way is really helpful. Um, and then also just knowing that the hormones do lift, you know, um, a part of it is just the slog of pushing through, but I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does clear. Um, I did not feel back to normal, whatever that means, probably until like a year postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's like, that's true for so many people. You know what I mean? I feel that. I think I was like a year and a half postpartum when I was like, oh, okay, like I can be Patrick again. Like, you know, I'm kind of starting to emerge from the shadows. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and I even, I really tried to like really hold on to hold on to the things that I loved doing. So like my son has always traveled with me because before I had him, I would travel wherever, whenever. Um, and that sounds like super adventurous. I still have not been like overseas. Uh, but you know, so he's traveled pretty much all of Canada, um, and a good chunk of the U S and the Caribbean with me and things like that, because I'm like, you know, this is what kind of keeps me grounded. So you just got to be a part of that now. And he loves it now, which is amazing. But early postpartum, I was like, this will help. This will help. These are things that like bring me back to myself. And and still, it felt very unrecognizable. Um, but I think being able to have those conversations opens the door for like other people to be like, oh, maybe that is what I experienced or, oh, that's what I'm experiencing. And I know that, like you said, those hormones lift um, because that's really hard to remember in the moment. You're like, okay, but when, when do they lift? Is there a timer? Um, Can I figure something out? So I think that that is really, really impactful to remember. Um, What did you find that it was tied to your birth experience? Like what was your birth experience like uh, in relation? Was it fairly fairly trauma-free was like mine was very traumatic um but you know because I find that sometimes that people say that there's those correlations so I'm just curious if that was part of your experience as well um it took me yeah it took me a long time I think to use the word traumatic for my birth experience because in my head that was like if I almost died or if you know, if Nora, my daughter, was rushed to the NICU, you know what I mean? I had this very, even knowing what I know about mental health, I had this very, like, narrow idea of, like, okay, I kind of told myself, like, oh, it's fine. Um, But, no, she came, I went into labor a month early, which was, like, there was no warning of that. And then after a long, long labor, um, her heart rate was irregular. So they, I had an emergency C-section. And, again, in the moment, I was, like, she's fine i'm fine like we're good like it happened but like let's move on um but i definitely think that i had to do some grieving with that and just like acknowledge that it wasn't like a stress-free like really beautiful like for me it confirmed that at least in my experience birth was very much a medical event like i i'm not going to like i don't know i'm not gonna like shoot down anyone who is like just finds it like very beautiful, who does it at home, who does it and it's like all natural, uh, insert air quotes around natural. Um, But for me, it wasn't, you know what I mean? It was very much, my water broke, I needed to be in the hospital, I needed antibiotics, I needed steroids, I needed to be like wheeled in 
for a C-section unexpectedly. Like it was very much a medical event. So was that directly correlated to anything? I mean, it's hard for me to say, but I, I don't think that it helped having such yeah. a stressful experience. A big trigger for me with all of this was sleep deprivation. I barely mm. slept in the hospital. I was in labor for over a day before my before my c-section so i think that it it definitely definitely didn't help no for sure yeah yeah exactly and i think it's totally fine to be like that is a medical event because that's exactly what i experienced as well um i had him about a month early i was induced because he wasn't doing well and i was really not doing well and so we weren't sure if like both of us would make it full term um and they were like he'll positively need the NICU all this i was up it was like they started my labor and then sent me home because they had no NICU spots. Uh, wow. So I was laboring at home for like a day and a half. And then they called me that they had a spot. And then I was laboring there for like a day before he was born. Um, and so for me, it was very much a medical event. And one of my sisters, actually two of my sisters were pregnant uh, shortly after I got pregnant. And so one of them um, basically used my birth plan. She did like an at-home water birth. It was beautiful, all natural. She loved it. I was like, I love that for you, but we had very different experiences of birth because mine was very much like a traumatic medical event. And that's, yeah. that's what it is. Um, but I think it's so fascinating how people do have those different mindsets. And like I said, I did a lot of like CBT studies and all this um, postpartum to try and help alleviate like the depression and the things I was feeling. And some of the people were saying that they found a direct correlation. Um, but I'm, I'm always curious to hear because that's not necessarily always the case. But what led you to decide to share that story? Because it is like a really vulnerable and isolating feeling thing, even if you know you're not alone. Yeah, I think so. The funny thing is, a couple months after everything happened, I feel like for me, you know, I share a lot of my life online. It almost felt like muscle memory. I was like, I'm going to sit down and write about this. And then I was like, mm, I started to write and I was like, I need to spend a little way more time in therapy. Um, I feel like a part of the hard thing about being very transparent online is that you open yourself up to comments and opinions. Mm. And, you know, even on this story, I've had one iffy comment out of probably literally like 500. Like, people were very supportive, but I think I needed to get to a space where I was willing to I need to be able to sit with other people's trauma as well, because whenever you share something like this, you get, well, I can't speak generally, I get responses from people who had similar experiences, who want to talk about it, who, you know, want to tell me what happened. And if I'd written this story at the end of 2020, that, I mean, that would have sent me like, I'm not going to say that would have sent me back to the hospital because I don't want to be glib about it. But I, I think that would have really sent me into a spiral reading all of these people telling me, I mean, I've had people reach out who say that they lost relatives to postpartum psychosis who, you know, hurt themselves while because of delusions. Like it's, it's just a lot. It's really heavy. So I was like, I have to be in a place where I'm like processed enough that I can have those conversations. But um, I knew that I would share it because it is something that I could not find much on when I, mm was trying to figure out what had happened to me and make sense of it. And I'm Googling and I'm buying books and all of that. Like there wasn't a ton, especially in greater postpartum depression. Um, 
So I don't think it's a situation where, I mean, I think that if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have been like, I want to make sure this didn't happen in vain. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. it, it happened regardless. You know, it's not like I've like saved the day by sharing it. But I, I do think that my biggest motivator was, okay, I can make people feel less alone and can share the warning signs. Because if I'd had a list of the warning signs for this condition, I would have been hospitalized a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the warning signs? Off the top of my head, I'll, I'll share the ones that apply to me because those are the ones I think mm-hmm. that that I, you know, that I wish I'd known. Um, not needing, not feeling a need to sleep. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, racing thoughts, irritability. Um, and then also the, like, I had a really intense mood swings. I had really, you know, just intense paranoia as well. And so I think that for the people around me during postpartum, you know, there are so many hormones and there's so many factors that you're thinking, okay, is her thinking that she's the only one who can keep the baby safe? Is that just like a really intense, like, you know, postpartum blues situation? Or is this like something is wrong, you know? And so we, there were these moments with my care team of my family and, and these providers where these things were happening and like it was just hard to know what was what so i think that knowing about that this could happen um would have would have been would have been helpful i mean my psychiatrist told me that she had not treated postpartum psychosis in like a private practice setting ever until me um Mm -hmm. you know and she's been practicing for a very long time so it's it's very i think difficult to find people who have experience with it Mm -hmm. yeah well I personally really appreciate you sharing um, because like we've said, you never know who's searching for the stories or searching for kind of the warning signs and things like that. Um, and then can stumble across your content and feel like, okay, I'm not alone. I know what this is. I know kind of where to go with it. Um yeah. And to backtrack a little in terms of like trauma dumping, because that's definitely super common. And I know that people that are really front facing and share a lot of their lives online do experience a lot of this. Um, How do you manage and maintain like boundaries around that? I think that I tend to have a lot of empathy. I think that if I had read my story, right after getting out of the hospital, I would have wanted to send the writer an email with my experience and sharing all of it. Um, I So I, I mean, it's hard for me because I'm, I'm never gonna be someone who's like, don't, don't DM me, you know, don't talk to me about this. Cause I feel like a part of the point of me opening myself up is um, allowing myself to be a resource. I, I definitely, have to find a balance between spending all of my time online going through my dms um which sometimes sucks you know i i hate i hate seeing a message like three months later from someone with like a long thing thanking me and telling me their experience like that doesn't feel great but i also have like i feel like where i learned to draw this boundary was after um summer 2020 i i had a post that went viral i gained a bunch of followers um, related to Black Lives Matter. And I was literally up like 
all night, like trying to respond to people, trying to message people, trying to like make sure I answered everyone's questions and it just wasn't sustainable. So now I'm like, I do my best to respond to anything that comes my way, but I'm also not like trying to reach inbox zero on Instagram, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. If I, if I see a DM, then I like, I'm happy to have a conversation, but um, yeah, it's like, I feel like I'm like making it sound like I'm like famous and getting thousands of DMs, which isn't the case. But when I log off, I log off. Yeah, that's good. Um, And can you tell listeners kind of what other stuff that you really like to share and like things that you're really passionate about? Sure. So, yeah, I would say other than mental health, I share a fair amount of like motherhood, parenting, um, Mm -hmm. body image, specifically like body neutrality. And then... I'm trying to think. I mean, I I will dabble in politics. I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where everything I feel that I share is inherently political. Mm-hmm. Um, but I live in a state with very. I'm trying to like think of a intellectual word, but very bad politics. <laughs> so I yeah. spend I spend a fair amount of time being outraged about what our governor is doing and and yeah. all of that. But I mean, I would say the biggest things are just like body image motherhood I'll share things about self-employment as well really just anything that's like happening in daily life just lifestyle yeah yeah I love it what does body neutrality mean to you I think that for me I the way that I always explain it is that I found the body positivity movement and really became like enamored with it but I felt like I was feeling at it, you know, because I'm like, I don't always look in the mirror and think, oh, wow, like, I love my stomach. I love my legs. I I love what my body does for me, what it looks like. So I feel like for me, my goal is to not think about my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard it said, you know, my body is the least interesting thing about me. And I, I love that. So I think yeah. that I not pressuring myself to be like wow i'm so beautiful and gorgeous but i'm also not beating myself up you know it's just like okay like i have a body and it serves its function and i'm really grateful that i you know i'm able to live life and i'm in relatively good health and all of these things um so i don't know if that's the actual definition mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is what i kind of take from it yeah no i i use a very similar approach because similarly I kind of fell into finding like all the body positivity um, quotes and influencers and content and things like that. And I was like, but this just is not resonating with me Um, because sometimes you just have to be like, yeah, this is what it is. And that's okay. And that's, that's all like period, end of sentence. Um, So that's great. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today, chatting about your experience, chatting a little bit more about yourself, um, letting listeners get to know you and, and hopefully, um, not that I, I wish any like postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis on anybody, but I hope that if anyone has experienced that or does experience it, um, that this brings them a little bit of grace for themselves. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I hope the same. I, I really love talking to you. So thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much.